Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Amber Bennett, and I will be reading Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. But even beyond that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him. In Christ, I have a righteousness that is not my own and that does not come from the law, but rather from the faithfulness of Christ. It is the righteousness of God that is based on faith. The righteousness that I have comes from knowing Christ, the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. It includes being conformed to his death so that I may perhaps reach the goal of the resurrection of the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amber, thanks so much for reading the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. I just want to let you know that two weeks from today, on the 20th, we're going to have a town hall meeting here in this room at 12 o'clock following this service. It's simply a meeting to provide information for you. It's not a voting meeting or anything like that. It's just to kind of let you know some of the events, highlights, and the ways we finished in 2021 and what we're looking into in terms of 2022. So we'll be doing that uh, two weeks from uh, today at 12 o'clock following this service. So I want you to imagine a couple of uh, scenarios. Imagine yourself into a couple of scenarios. One is you're having a conversation with somebody, uh, somebody that you know to be a Christian, and they know you to be a Christian. And as you're in the conversation, they begin to say things that you realize you really disagree with. And I mean, I mean, important things, not just like a recipe, right? It's, but you begin to understand they're saying things about God about the Bible or about the role of Christians in the world that you really disagree with. And you can feel that sense of nervousness and anxiety building up inside you. How does a spiritually mature person handle themselves in that moment? Or another one, you're going through a difficult time. Uh, It it could be a financial struggle because you lost your job. It could be a death of a loved one. It could be a broken relationship. Uh, It could be all kinds of things. But you're just going through a really difficult time. What is the perspective of a spiritually mature person going through those difficult times? You might have noticed that today's message title is uh, True Believers Part 2. So yes, we had Part 1 last week. Uh, and in part one, we looked at this place in Paul's letter to the Philippian church where, where some folks on the outside of the church were insisting that if you really wanted to be a Christian, you had to jump through these other hoops. You had a list you needed to check off, that you've done all these things. And, and specifically, what was going on in that time was telling folks that if you were not a Jewish person, then you had to first become Jew, a Jew before you could believe in Jesus. And so Paul was saying, no, 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 that's, that is not accurate. That is not accurate. And, and, and I talked a little bit about how in our culture, we sometimes we like to draw lines. We like to say, well, you, you can't really be a Christian if you support that or if you reject that or whatever it is. We draw our own lines about that too. And so today's passage is really a continuation of last week's passage. Last week we ended at verse 7 and today we began at verse 8. 
And so that really is the bridge here of this whole thing. So let's, let me read those two together. Paul says, These things were my assets, but I wrote them off as a loss for the sake of Christ. But even before that, I consider everything a loss in comparison with the superior value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have lost everything for him, but what I lost I think of as sewer trash, so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You see, Paul had been speaking of his, his outward signs. That, that if you wanted to say that in order to, to follow Christ, you had to be a Jew first, he's saying, I can check all of those boxes. I've done all that. I've got all those bona fides. But really, we're talking apples to oranges. Because that is about one thing. Faith in Christ is what saves us. It's about the righteousness of God in Christ so that God can work in our hearts. And so the issue earlier had been around the issue of physical circumcision. He says, no, it's the circumcision of the heart. It's about an inner transformation that God does in us. That's not about what we do outwardly. It's not about jumping through other hoops. It's about what God does in us through the grace of Christ. He talks about this in Romans. He also is echoing the teaching from Deuteronomy. The law of God's people from a long, long time ago. So in several places, Paul uh, talks about, and others talk about, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. So here's, so here's a passage uh, uh, in Philippians. If we had just kept reading, if Amber had just kept reading just a little further, she would have read this. The goal I pursue is the prize of God's upward calling Christ Jesus. So all of us who are spiritually mature should think this way, spiritually mature. Let's talk about maturity just a little bit in general. I mean, uh, there are several aspects of maturity, of course. They're all important. They're all about being a, a more complete, a more whole person. Certainly there's physical maturity. I mean, that's, that's something we, to some extent, we don't have a lot of choice on. <laughs> As you age uh, and grow, it just, it hap- things happen. We have some choice over the, the quality of that physical maturity, but it's, it's going to happen. Mental maturity, uh, our cognitive ability, our thinking and learning ability is something we do work on. I mean, that's what, what school is all about, right? It's, it's about uh, learning, learning at, at appropriate levels for their physical maturity. So learning at this level, and then this level, and then this level, and this, that's, that's kind of what our education system does. Uh, then there's, um, there's emotional maturity. The, you know, we, emotions are natural, right? I mean, uh, rip, rip uh, the favorite toy out of the hands of a two-year-old. They will give you an emotional response, Right? Emotions are natural, and so, but as we mature, we learn what to do with, I'm not suggesting you rip the toy from the hands of a two-year-old, by the way. I'm not saying that's a good thing to do. I'm just saying if you did, or if you saw it happen, they would give an emotional response. So, but we learn about emotions, and we learn what things uh, trigger our emotions, and we learn how to handle our emotions, and we learn uh, that from our, from our experiences and Sure, we, we mature emotionally. And then, of course, there's social maturity. And I, I just mean in the broadest sense, the relationships, the ways that any one of us relate to other people, whether it's someone that checks us out at the store or whether it's a next-door neighbor or somebody we work with or a dear family member. Our relationships with others, there's a maturity level in those kinds of relationships. 
So all of these things are important, and they all, they all work together, and they're all interconnected. I mean, to some extent, like I said, to, to, to uh, develop mental maturity, there's some physical maturity that's got to happen, especially for people who are young. There's, the brain is still developing early in life, so that, that, these things just kind of go together, right? I mean, social and emotional maturity certainly go hand in hand on in many, many occasions. And so we have to continue to learn and grow in all of these ways. And the thing about maturity is you don't ever really get to a point where you've arrived. You can just breathe a big breath and go, I've finally mature. That doesn't work that way. You can't self-proclaim that. We're all maturing. We're all working on it. We're all growing. There's not a place where you you arrive. And and if you feel that you've kind of topped out on something, it may be that you're stuck. You can get stuck in maturity and not, not continue to learn and grow, whether it's in mental or social, emotional uh, maturity. Now, maturity happens through our life because of accumulated experiences, right? You just as you live life and you go through things and you, you see patterns and you learn lessons and that's just part of it. The other part of maturity that is really important here is that part of what prompts maturity is loss. Author Judith Viorst titled her book, Necessary Losses. Part of her, her point in that is that in order to grow and mature, sometimes there are things you've got to let go of. You have to let go of. You've got to lose some things. Whether it's an unrealistic expectation of a parent, whether it's letting go of a, of a of a dream to someday be a professional basketball player. Me. I don't know. I, I knew you'd laugh. Somebody would laugh at that. You know, 13, 14 years old, I was just sure of it. You know, I had to let go of that. We have to let go of things in order to move on to where God wants us to go. That we losses become gains. That's what Paul said, isn't it? All those things, checking all those boxes. He's not saying it's worthless. He's not saying, he's just saying, I, I consider that a loss so that I may gain Christ. Part of maturity are the losses that we need to go through. So, spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. There is a pastor named Kerry uh, Newhoff who uh, writes blogs prolifically uh, if you're on his mailing list. Um, but he has some great stuff. And one of his blogs is Five Signs of Spiritual Maturity That Actually Show You Lack It. So one of them is pride in how much Bible you know. Come on, we all know somebody that just can quote Scripture right and left. I mean, just whatever it is, they're quoting Scripture at you. Well, I mean, that's great. I mean, it's great that they know that much Scripture. It's the sense of being proud about how much Bible you know, right? I mean, I'm always, I'm always reminded when, when, when people want to uh, think about that, that sense of pride and what they've accomplished and how much Bible they've memorized, how much Bible they know. is, uh, You know, in, in Matthew 3 or 4, it's after Jesus had been baptized and he went into the wilderness where he fasted and was tempted by the devil, and the devil quoted Scripture at Jesus. Anybody can quote Scripture. 
I saw a meme on social media uh, sometime this week that said, I'm tired of people running around who have a mouth full of Scripture and a heart full of hate. Yeah, see, that's not, that's not spiritual maturity. Carrie Newhoff says that a second one is uh, a truth without grace. Truth without grace, that's not spiritual maturity. I had a guy call me in a previous job. I worked in a university setting, and, uh, uh, you know, Sometimes alums get upset about something that happened at a campus, whatever it is. They get a raindrop's worth of information, and then they need to call and unload on somebody. Well, being as I was the chaplain, university chaplain, I got the call, and the person was letting me know how they felt about, <laughs> about what they knew of the situation, which was a tiny amount. And somewhere along the way, he just said, you know, brother, brother I'm just laying a hard truth on you. That was about a minute before he threatened me with the flames of hell. Not kidding. Okay, that's not spiritual maturity. But it it's also doesn't work the other direction, grace without truth, where everything is fine, everything's okay. There's no standards, there's no accountability, there's no... Okay, well, that doesn't really work either. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. He didn't throw it away. He said, there's still that there. Gospel of John, the way Gospel of John puts it is, Jesus came full of grace and truth. That's where we want to head. A fourth one that Newhoff mentions is harshness toward outsiders while cutting insider slack. You know, where we, uh, uh, he's talking to church people, of course, and what he means is people outside the church world. And we condemn someone for something that somebody said, they did, whatever. But someone inside goes through the same thing or says the same thing, does, well, he was under a lot of stress. Well, she had a rough childhood. Well, which is it? I mean, condemning someone outside, but we're easy on the folks on the inside who did the same thing? That's not spiritual maturity. Nor is the last one, telling people you're mature. Telling people you're mature. As he says in his... Uh, blog and I had to nod my head that most pastors can tell of a time at least a time where someone came up to them and said so tell me what is there that this church has to offer for someone who's spiritually mature like me and they say it with a totally straight face I mean they really mean that okay that's if, if you have to if you have to tell somebody you're mature yeah kind of like telling somebody you're humble right it doesn't work that way so, uh, there is, so there's teaching in the New Testament by Paul and others about this. Look, look at these two verses. I mean, this puts it really, really plainly in Ephesians chapter 4. God's goal for us is to become mature adults, to be fully grown, measured by the standard of the fullness of Christ. As a result, we aren't supposed to be infants any longer who can be tossed and blown around by every wind that comes from teaching and deceitful scheming and the tricks people play to deliberately mislead others. God's goal for us is to become mature adults by the standard, by the measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, we used to, we used to ask the question, you know, WWJD, some of us had the wrist bracelet, you know, what would Jesus do? That's a great question. One way we might tweak it in terms of the identity statement that we use is to what extent... Does my life show that I live in love like Jesus? To what extent does my life show that I live in love 
like Jesus. That's the standard. In Hebrews, uh, the writer uses the analogy of, uh, of babies. He says, he's telling the people of, that, of his readership, he said, you're spiritual babies because all you want is milk. You just want the easy stuff. You're not getting beyond that. To mature, you have to have solid food so that you grow into that. And he challenges them to, to uh, move forward in their maturity and to get on the solid food. He says in verse 6, let's press on to maturity by moving, by, by moving on from the basics of Christ's word. He's not saying you leave Christ's word behind. He's just saying you build on it. There's deeper things. There's more things to think about and consider and learn about. So spiritual maturity means you don't have to keep going back over the basics. You're ready for deeper thought. And then the letter of James. I love James. That's a great, great letter. Uh, James, uh, it points out that we all have our faith tested. We all have our faith tested. Whether it's someone you're in a conversation with and you really disagree or uh, you're going through a really difficult time, that generally tests our faith in one way or another. And James says that that's, that produces endurance. And he says, so let endurance complete its work so that you may be complete and mature, lacking in nothing. That actually, the losses, the difficulties we go through are a part of the maturing process. Now, God does not cause you problems to make a point. God does not make you suffer to teach you a lesson that doesn't work that way. We're human. Hard times happen. They just do. The question is not, does God, did God cause this or why? But it's, maybe what, what can I learn through this? Grieve the difficulty and what can I learn in the midst of this? How might God be growing me? So James is pointing out the difficulty is a key element of maturity. I mean, that's true in our other levels of maturity. In physical maturity, we push ourselves to run faster. Or to, I mean, I mean, one of the one of the ways we do this is it's called resistance training. There are things that resist. You have to work against in order to grow. Men, mentally, we we look, we read longer and more difficult things. Uh, emotionally, we learn how to deal with our emotions more fully, and then relationally, we learn to work through a problem instead of just walking away. I mean, we go through those difficulties so that we may grow. So, when it comes to spiritual maturity, okay, so what does that look like? Well, there's those two words in that statement that we say every week. We seek to be a joyful community that strives to live in love like Jesus. It's the words, seek and strive. Seek and strive. That each one of us has responsibility. Each one of us takes on the initiative to do the right kinds of things so that God can continue to work inside of us as we live life, as we do the right kinds of things. We posture ourselves, we, we position ourselves so that God can help us mature. So let me just give you some examples. I mean, these, these are just some example action steps you could take to own your own spiritual maturity. One is to reconnect with fellow Christians. You know, the pandemic has been really tough on this. The pandemic has been really hard. Now, we can still gather to some extent, right? I mean, we're doing that, but it's not what it used to be. 
We used to be around a lot more people a lot more often. And we learned about one another and we supported one another. It was just easier to know things. So we have to do it differently now. And so it may mean that you take the initiative to reach out to somebody. Think about somebody you hadn't seen in church for a while. And just say, hey, I hadn't seen you in a while. How are you? Why don't we, could we get together for coffee? And if, and if, and if for whatever reason they say, I really don't want to, I don't want to be around crowds of people. Okay, well, it could be FaceTime. I mean, is there a way we can reconnect? So secondly, do a study that is new to you, whether it's in the church or whether it's a book that you find somewhere, a study that's new to you. Maybe you've always done New Testament. Maybe you've always studied Jesus. Maybe you've always studied Paul. Do something different. Do something different so that you can learn and grow. Or maybe an author you've never read before. Somebody with a different perspective. Maybe volunteer at the church in a, in, in a way that's outside of your norm. Maybe a little outside your comfort zone. Or same with serving outside the church. Whether it's bed start or family promise or something else, a way that we serve outside the church that's different than what you normally do. That helps us to grow and mature. Committing to giving to God's work as an act of healing. Every week, and we make the statement that your, 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 our giving keeps the church strong and it enables us to do ministries that help other people. And those are both true, and we'll keep saying those things. But part of what it is, too, is it, it has to do with me. My giving has to do with me. That maybe, maybe God can do some healing in me, too. What do I need to give up? What are the things, what are my necessary losses? Maybe just the act of giving will help to trigger something in me to realize, oh, I need to give up my sense of pride about something. I need to give up my greed about something. I need to. Or maybe when you're in a conversation with somebody that you really disagree, maybe, maybe to just seek to fully understand what the person is saying by asking questions, remaining non-anxious, and just being able to say, well, I think we disagree on this. And who knows how they'll react, right? Part of our fear is they're going to start getting louder, trying to convince us how right they are. That's part of our fear. And just say, hey, I'm not looking to argue. I'm just making a statement. I think we disagree. I'd love to have a conversation, but I'm not going to get into an argument. And just let it be there. To respond with grace. Or if you're going through that difficult time, when you're, or if, when we go through difficult times, because we all will, when you go through difficult times, to lean not only on just your own experience, but lean on others. To lean on others. That, that's why we have Stephen ministry at our church. I mean, their, that, their whole training is to walk alongside somebody who's going through difficulty. And that can be a safe person to talk to, who uh, will keep your information completely confidential, and they will help you learn and grow through difficult situations. All these things, all these things, uh, serve to deepen our spiritual maturity. A way that we take initiative, we step forward, we say, I'm going to own my spiritual maturity, and I'm going to start doing these things. And we're not alone, because 
as we begin to uh, work towards spiritual maturity, well, we know we're invited to the table. We're invited to the table of Christ, where, where we learn that at this table, we learn to love others unconditionally. We learn to completely trust in God. We learn that, that we're here not because we, we've checked all the boxes. We're here simply at the invitation of Christ. And we're here because Christ will nourish us for the journey ahead. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for, uh, for your grace that is always amazing. And we're grateful for the ways that you work in us. So may we remove the barriers and the walls and the things that we like to keep separating us from your will and your spirit so that you can do that work in us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.